No matter what size organization you run, it's all about the people around you. So if you spend the time attracting, recruiting and training the right people early on, during tough times, you don't have to do much. They, they're well prepared and they're ready to go. All right, gang, super excited to be here today on Friday, February 12th. And yes, I am now 43 years of age. Uh, share this birthday with uh, the great Abraham Lincoln and a colleague and a, a gentleman that I admire very much in California, Andrew Moore. So I'm here with probably for me in uh, this short lifespan of hosting a podcast uh, called Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude, where the top performers of the top performers learn from each other. I've got my coolest, most unique, and uh, I think most exciting guest uh, to date. And it's not to take away from all my great friends at the NFL and business owners that we know, but uh, today we have the one and only John Vaccaro. John serves as the head of Mass Mutual Financial Advisors, and he is also the chairman and CEO of MML Investor Services LLC at Mass Mutual. And John is a, a, a man who's become a, a friend of my family, a mentor of mine. And uh, I'm just really excited that you're here with us today, JV. Thanks for being well, here. Well, Manny, first off, happy birthday. Uh, I hope you have <laughs> many, you. many, many more. And I, I know in the days of social distancing, you probably can't have the big birthday party that I know Samantha wants to throw you. But uh, <laughs> I, I do hope you have a great day today and happy birthday on behalf of all of us here. Yeah, thank you so much. So one thing we were chuckling about before we got on is uh, for those of you who've ever phoned my cell phone, my voicemail greeting uh, says that in order for me to return a call, you must share uh, your favorite color, favorite afternoon snack and favorite superhero. And uh, JV and I usually text. So this is our opportunity to learn from John. John, favorite color? Blue. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> favorite afternoon snack? Chips and salsa. Love it. And favorite superhero? Uh, that's a tough one. I, I'd go Superman. Okay. That <laughs> was between awesome. Superman and Aquaman. I love the beach. So, you know, Aquaman's always close, but I got to go with <laughs> Superman. There's no doubt you love the beach because Samantha and I's favorite post of yours on Facebook is when you post another day at the office and it's like an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, man, it's so great that you're here with us. And, and look, I want to keep it light early on. Uh, I want to learn a little bit about your childhood. And, and eventually, I want to get into learning, you know, uh, your perspective on what great teammates look like, lessons uh, over your lifetime uh, in business around leadership, and then just kind of where the puck's going for Mass Mutual. So, but let's start with your childhood. Sure. Tell me about your favorite childhood story. Oh, geez, there's a lot. So uh, I grew up in Boston. Um, I have two brothers, one older, one younger. Um, and I, I have a, a fourth brother, I would call it my best friend, actually my best friend in the world. We met the first day of kindergarten and actually were roommates in college together. Uh, we got engaged the same night and I was his best man. He was my best man. Uh, and we are godparents to each other's kids and things like that. So I always say I have three, three brothers, but, uh, you know, I think the, you know, one of my most favorite memories was, uh, you know, blizzard of 78, 
1978, Boston got hit with a huge blizzard. And it was, I was the perfect age, Manny. I was old enough to play in the snow, but I wasn't old enough to shovel. But, but I, I just remember, you know, the streets of Boston, everything was shut down. You couldn't even see, you, you walked the sidewalks, you couldn't see over the snow banks. But I remember going to Beacon Hill and grabbing the cafeteria trays from the state house. And we would, we would literally sled down um, Beacon Hill because uh, there's no cars on the driveway or everything. And there was a fire truck that would drive us back to the top of the hill. So I'd probably say that. And I'm only saying that because I'm looking out at the outside. I got a couple of feet of snow here in Massachusetts and looks like we have more on the way. Yeah. What would happen if you did that today? If Garrett did that today, what would happen? And Garrett's uh, six, five, you'd probably so end up, he, Yeah. You'd probably end up in jail. I don't think, I think they frown upon that today sledding down with, you know, with the cafeteria trays on Beacon Hill. Oh, great, great story. Tell me, when you were young, uh, what did, in your vision for your life, what did you dream of becoming? Oh, yeah, that that's pretty easy. I, I always wanted to help people. So actually, uh, when I, you know, um, I always thought I'd be a doctor. So I, you know, I went to college. Um, I went to St. Anselm College in New Hampshire, um, where I'm a trustee today. And my son is actually a freshman there. Started off as a bio major. Um, you know, I, I always wanted to help people. Medicine was kind of my first love. I never, it was funny. I never wanted to practice medicine. I was always more interested in how medicine worked, um, how the healthcare systems work, more public policy, maybe thought I'd even run a hospital at, at, at some point, but I, I knew I wanted to help people. I mean, that, that was my, my dad was a teacher and an administrator. My grandfather was a um, was in government service. So my family has always had this calling. Um, a lot of my family, aunts, uncles, were all teachers um, or administrators. So I, I knew I wanted to help people. That's awesome. And did you play any sports growing up? Oh yeah, I mean I played everything. I mean if you would say I'm a, pretty much a hockey puck, you know, day in and day out. But listen, you know, you 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 grow up in Boston. The Red Sox are your religion. Oh. The other sports are, you know, are your are your pastimes and in, in, in your favorites. But, you know, I was fortunate enough, you know, to grow up, you know, in Boston when the Celtics were great, the Bruins were great, you know. And then, of course, our last 20 years here in New England have been a pretty good run, too. Yeah, incredible, right? Basically at half of the Super Bowls over the last two decades. That's Something incredible. like that. It hasn't been a bad run. No. Tell, tell me about, uh, so you played a lot of sports and it sounds like, uh, you know, you were really passionate about hockey, but it d- doesn't matter which sport. Tell me about um, maybe your greatest lesson you learned about what it looks like to be a great teammate. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it, you know, I, and I would say, you know, it's all about coaching, right? If you have great coaches, um, but I would say, you know, we there was one particular team, I would say our coach was not great, but our captain was right. Mm-hmm. We, we had, we had a captain who just kept us together. And I would say there was always three things. And, and I apply these same three things today, you know, to my leadership, it's focus, commitment, and accountability, right? Were you focused on what you wanted to do? Were you holding yourself accountable and your teammates accountable? Um, you know, and were you committed? Were you committed? But I would say I learned those lessons pretty, pretty early on. Um, but once again, a lot came from the captain. Um, and then, you know, it, you know, I have the pleasure of going to Matinon High School where we had a pretty phenomenal hockey coach um, and just listening to him speak about 
you know, being focused, commitment, and you know, holding yourselves accountable. I, I think those have been lifelong lessons, you know, ever since. Yeah, that's um, so I, you know, that really resonates for me too. Even in in my very mediocre uh, collegiate athletic career, I, I just you'd hear that a lot from your coaches, right? You you know, first you have to have uh, the vision or the focus where you see us being great. Then you have to commit. And then the consistency will come from the commitment and from the teammates who help hold you accountable. So uh, that really resonates for me. Tell me about, um, tell me maybe about a leadership lesson, a lesson in leadership that you, you took away from your childhood that you also apply into business and your life today. Yeah. So my, uh, my dad ran a company after he, he left teaching. My grandfather was pretty successful. And I, and I, and I remember them, they I especially remember my grandfather always telling me, that if you're in the business of helping people, business will always be booming, right? And regardless of what's going on, and I would say that's probably the first thing that, you know, I thought about is what, why are you in, what are you doing it for? Why are you doing it? And if, you, if you're passionate about it, things will work out no matter what happens, things will work out well. So I think that would be the first lesson I, I had is you got to have passion for what you're doing, right? And my passion is helping people. I'd be the first one. The second one is probably more on the investment world. I started, you know, at Colonial Mutual Funds. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, having a, having a leader who always talked about when you walked in in the morning, you can always buy it back was the saying, right? You can always buy it back. And it really was about, hey, don't, you know, use data, use, use your intellect and don't let emotions sometimes get in the way. However, at some point, remember, Emotions do make play an important factor. So it's that balance of what I would say EQ and IQ, right? Yeah. You don't want every decision being made on IQ and you don't want every decision being made based on EQ, but making sure that you have that balance of, of the intellect with the emotion, you can marry those two together. I think life is pretty good for you. That makes a lot of sense, especially in an over analytical and data driven world that we're in today. Yeah, I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that there's still a little bit of gut and intuition that goes into uh, great business decisions. Yeah, you just got to have balance. And, you know, even if you're a team, if you, you know, there's members of my team who I would say are great IQ people. There's other members who are great EQ. If you have balance, you know, you probably end up going to a, in, into a good spot. But, you know, I've definitely been in, in situations where it was all emotion. Probably made the wrong decision, but I've also been made in decisions where it was all IQ based probably missed a few factors on that side. So when you say that, it makes me think of another question I had, which was, so, so you're looking for balance on the team. Yeah. Talk to us about two or three of the characteristics that you really look for as you put this world-class team together. Sure. Um, So one of the is, you know, I'll call it organization, but one of the questions I always ask people is, uh, Tell me what's in the trunk of your car. And if someone could tell me what's in the trunk of their car, tells me they're pretty organized, right? And I don't care what's in there, but if their attention to detail, are they, are they organized? Because in a team of, of entrepreneurs, and that's one of the things I look for, I don't look for a group of people that I have to tell them what to do, right? Yeah. I look for a group of people who, say, who understand the vision that I've laid out and are going and doing it. Right. But organizations, one one element that I always look for. The second element I always look for are communication skills. 
are they great communicators? Because there's nothing worse than, you know, being on the ice and who's going for the break, who's going to cover that person. Right. Right. You could be the greatest athlete, but if I don't know where you're going, you're not telling me you're going to, you're going to take that puck, go cover the other side. We got problems. So I would say great communicators, people who really can understand and, and, and communications change now, right? I'm used to, it's no longer just all verbal. It's no longer over the phone. It's no longer just all written. We now have video. The communication is more important than ever because I don't agree with someone just texting me, right? <laughs> right? It's like, okay, you know, that's another story, man. I have the two text rule. After two texts or two emails, pick up the phone and call because we're having a failure here to communicate, uh, <laughs> right? Um so I would say communication is, is the next one. Um, I do look for passion. I, I want people who are passionate about what they're doing. You know, there's, there's nothing worse than having a person that you're working with that has all the, all the intellect, all the other factors, but just sits on a bump on a log. Like, I don't need that. You know, um, uh, so, I mean, those are three, three of the big things. And, you know, it's funny because, I never look for the best person. I always look for the best fit because uh, the best person might just be a train wreck to work with. And it's going to lead to a dysfunctional team. I, I look for the best person. And one of the things, you know, over the last few years, some of my direct report hires, I didn't make the decision. I let my team make the decision. They, huh. They interviewed the person and I interviewed at the end just to make sure that, you know, there was a, you know, we could work together. Yes. But I, I let my team, you know, interview it. And they came to me and said, this is the person we think is going to help us the most. Yeah, um, and that it, that, that kind of takes us down the, the path of culture, right? Tell me, I mean, just talk to me about your culture. I mean, you're, you're running literally, um, and look, I know I'm biased, but I don't care. I think I'm right. Yeah. You're running the premier organization in the world of financial services and creating financial success in people's lives today. Tell me yeah, about so, your culture. Yeah. So I, I would say it's a lot of, you know, how would I describe it? Wall Street brains with maybe a Newport Beach, California attitude. <laughs> Right. We want smart people who understand what's going on, but we also want to be laid back. We want to, we never want to overreact. We never want to underreact. You know, we want to react. Um, and we also want to act like we've been there before. There's nothing worse than having your employees look out and see you stressed, right? Like as a leader, you have to be the person who's the guy everyone looks to you. If I'm stressed, guess what? everybody in the organization gets really freaked out, right? So you have to kind of be that, that bastion. And, and I would tell you over, you know, since March of last year, you know, that's been one of the things I've been the most focused on as a leader is people are looking for hope, right? Yes. You read the news, you read whatever, there's just too much bad things going on in the world. They're, they're looking for leaders who will give them hope. Um, so, you know, one of the things I, I always look back on and, 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 you know, and March was, you know, just a crazy time, but I'm a student of history and I went back and, and I remember reading something about December 8th, 1941. Oh. And it was all the things that happened on December 8th of 1941. And, and one of those things was President Roosevelt 
who, who I think was just phenomenal. You know, one of the greatest, you know, world leaders ever. Agreed. You know, FDR the morning, uh, that the next morning wrote down a few things and, and I kind of use those during crisis. You know, one of them was you got to confront the brutal facts, yeah. right? No matter what you're dealing with, you got to confront the brutal facts. Um, second one was don't assume, you know, what people are afraid of. Don't assume, you know, what all your employees are afraid of. You might think you do, but don't assume it. You've got to ask people what's on your mind. What can I help you with? Um, you know, the third one is get ready for crap hit in the fan. Right. And I, if there's one thing we learned in the last several months, you don't know what's going to come at you and things in your wildest imagination have appeared. You're like, what, what is that? Be prepared for that. The fourth one I would say is team building, right? Do not underestimate the ability of, of team building during, you know, times of crisis. It's a little challenging this time around because team building is done virtually, right? So how do you do yes, that yes. team building when you're not physically sitting around a conference room table on the field, wherever you are, how do you do that? And the last one I would say in, is be optimistic in every interaction, right? Be optimistic in every interaction. Um, you know, when I look back to 12 months, I, I think not, I had just assumed what I thought my people were afraid of. I was, I made that mistake. I corrected it pretty quickly after rereading FDR's kind of rules. I was like, oh, forgot that one. Yes. Um, but I, I think it, it's just being optimistic, but also not ignoring the brutal facts, right? So if you, if you do those five things, I think during times of crisis, um, and we're still in this, we're still in this period of uncertainty. I think good things are, are going to happen. I mean, I, it's definitely worked for me a few times, you know, through the great recession and obviously what we're experiencing now. Um, but you know, we, we had a, we, we had a tremendous year in 2020 better than I ever could have thought about, but I think a lot has to do with kind of staying focused and, and listening to those kind of five things. So yes, you know, and congratulations on that, right? And you know, um, in our small world here in Michigan, uh, I you know, I definitely saw uh, FDR's rules come in, uh, come to life through uh, a lot of the people that you have in key stakeholder roles on your team. You know, that was brought up many times, and it was to just remind us, like, look. You, you've got to be asking great questions to really understand what's going on, what are the advisors and, and, and the teams are afraid of. And uh, I do love the fact that you wrapped back around on the, uh, the optimism that it's still by, while being uh, uh, aware of the brutal facts, right? And, 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 and being optimistic in a way that you're, you recognize them and you're making decisions that you're bullish and optimistic about to attack those. So, uh, yeah, you got to paint the vision of the future, because if there's one, you know, you asked me earlier, hey, what are what are some of the leadership lessons? I would say at an early age and throughout my career, there's one thing I know. This, too, shall pass. Yeah, it's just here, here. when it passes, are you in a position to be better off or are you going to allow whatever happened to you kind of take you in the wrong direction? Um. And I've had both ways, right? Listen, I've let, you know, early on in my career, I did some stuff that I let it take control of me instead of me saying, no, I'm not going to let this bug determine our future in a negative way. Got aggressive and kind of, you know, go through it. So that's the other thing 
that I would I, I kind of encourage people is envision the future. What is life going to be like when this too does pass? And can you make this better? Take advantage of it. Some cases you can, some cases you can't. But even if you can't, what are you going to do to kind of, you know, morph and change the direction? Because you can, you can achieve your goals a variety of different ways. You know, and the other thing, Manny, is I know, you know, I know the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. <laughs> I've just never figured out how to go in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that that's not easy in your role and the capacity that you serve in. So uh, love a lot of what you said. One question I had, though, was how are you in this like new remote world, right? I mean, how many people are in uh, Mass Mutual Financial Advisors and MML Investor Services, the aggregate approximately? Yeah, I mean, there's probably nine nine to 10,000 of us. How do you how do you how do you get the best out of your this world now? Yeah, listen, if you hire great people from the beginning, yeah, you don't really have to do much, right? At that point, your job at a senior level is to make sure they have the tools um, that they have to be in. You're there for, to provide support. So no matter what size organization you run, it's all about the people around you. So if you spend the time attracting, recruiting, and training the right people early on, during tough times, you don't have to do much. They, they're well prepared and they're ready to go. And if you have people passionate about their business, accountable, hold themselves accountable, they'll take off and they'll do, they'll do their thing. Um, so you're there you know, to basically provide them optimism, hope, tools, resources, education. Most people just want to know you're there. Like, can I pick up well, the old phone or yes. now... And I click Zoom and know that my leader is there to help me. So I, I would say the technology that it's emerging has allowed me to see a lot more people than a year ago where I'd have to get on a plane and go all over the country. I mean, we have, we have locations all over the country. Um, I miss that physical interaction, but at least the video technology has, and people are get, embracing it now, has allowed me to see a lot more people. So you know, Manny, it's, it's out of sight, out of mind. You just try not to be out of sight and try not to be out of mind. And if you can use yes. the technology, you know, good for it. You know, for me, you know, I have the face for radio. So this whole, you know, high tech oh, stuff awesome. is definitely going to be a career limiter for me. Um, but, you know, we'll just take the good with the bad and, and, and we'll work, we'll work through it, but it's being visible and, and how can you interact? And um, it's just different. It's, it's just different, but, you know, I am going stir crazy. I've been sitting in this same chair for, for months now. Never thought that would ever happen. But, uh, hey, listen, I, I'm either going to let this take advantage, you know, take advantage of me, or I'm going to say to COVID, I'm not letting you destroy my business. I'm not letting you kind of destroy all the things that we've built. No way, no how. I'm taking this bazooka to kill a bug, um, and we'll get through it. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I I love it when you say things like that, because that's the leadership that people need right now. Right. They need they need a calm, confident, committed leader with a massive vision. And uh, I do think, you know, you made a few comments earlier that reminded me of the fact that we've been blessed in Michigan that, you know, as other companies uh, scaled down and, and maybe had to let go of some really talented humans, you know, we've added them. 
and and we're, we're we are preparing for tomorrow and we're super excited about that we're super excited because we 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 fully believe that as the world reopens um we're positioned very well uh to serve the state of michigan and the great lakes market so thanks for saying that you also made me think of two funny things that ava and atlas have said to me recently that i think you'll get a huge chuckle out of the other day atlas said dad what's a house phone oh jeez! <laughs> there was a movie they referenced the house phone and he's like what's a house phone was Second, it a rotary phone was it a rotary I, phone <laughs> I don't even know. I think they just pulled something off the wall in the kitchen. And, yeah. But the, then Ava, Ava said to Samantha a couple of weeks back, she's like, what did, what did we do before Amazon mom? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, right? Right. It's a good question. Incredible questions from 10 and 12 year olds, but yeah, it just shows I, how much the world's changed. It certainly has. I mean, you just, just look back five years, how life has changed. Just think five years going forward. I mean, I look, you know, my, my daughter just got her driver's license and I was joking with her. I was like, you know, I don't think your kids will ever drive a car. I think oh. it could all be automated. You're just going to hop in a car and the car is going to take you, you know, wherever. Yeah. You know, as a father of a 16 and a half year old girl, I kind of like that strategy because <laughs> I, I see her take off in the Jeep every morning driving to high school. And I'm like, oh, oh wow. So kind of looking forward to that day where, you know, but it's funny the world is going to, the world is always changing. Right. And I think the, the thing about our country has always been, it changes for the better. Right. And, and I hope that's where we get back to our roots of changing for the better to make sure we leave this, this country better than where we found it. Right. Yes. The next generation, I want them to have a better life than I did. Right. Cause I knew my father had wanted me to have a better life. I knew my grandfather wanted us to have a better life. Um, I think that is truly still the American dream. Um, And and I think hopefully we'll get that. And on the business side, it's the same thing. You know, my company, Mass Mutual, we're going to celebrate our 170th birthday in a few months, right? There's not a lot of companies been around 170 years. You know, we've been through a pandemic before. Right. So I, and that's the other thing is, you know, and, and you're part of our, you know, part of Mass Mutual, when you look at, there's so many good companies here in the country um, that do great yeah. things for clients. Um, you know, and I think we'll continue to do those great things, right? Not only us, but there's plenty of other industries. And, you know, you look at Amazon, Amazon's done a great job of trying to make people's lives better, yes. you know, and, and easier, you know? You, you know, you just said something though, that, and, and this is what I, what I love. I mean, um, um, in a much smaller way, uh, you know, I've always tried to be a, a great advocate just of our industry in general, um, uh, because of this mindset of abundance I have that like, look, the world, the demand the world has for financial security and success is so massive. It takes all of us to just try to meet the demand. And uh, I think that's, that's critical in servant leadership to acknowledge that we're not perfect and we're not saying that, but the aspiration is that we are the become the best. Uh, but it takes all of us together to do that. Yeah, pe- people need our help, right? If you just think of all the complexity, everything going on in the world, um, people are going to need our help more than ever, right? You know, people are going to, they still, listen, regardless of COVID, people still have to plan for retirement. They yeah. still have to, you know, plan for their kids' college educations. 
Uh, people are still planning for their daughters to get married someday, right? Whatever it is, what we still have to plan. And then unfortunately, we have to plan if something does go wrong, right? I mean, the one thing that COVID has just reminded us that everybody is susceptible, you know, to something bad happening, mm-hmm. regardless of how much money you make, regardless of where you live. Mm-hmm. COVID's been the ultimate reminder that, you know, we will all die at some point now hopefully modern medicine's allowing us to live a lot longer um which brings up new challenges if we're if we are living 40 years in retirement yes you know we've never planned for income to provide for 40 years of retirement so there's just new challenges coming but the one thing i know is if you don't have a plan the odds of being achieving your goals go down dramatically go down dramatically yeah, we, we, we uh, you know, when, when we talk about our profession here locally, we always talk about, you know, without the plan, it's merely an intention. And unfortunately, the statistics aren't good behind intentions. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, you, you talked about how different the world was five years ago. Uh, you know, is there is there something that you can think back, hey, five years ago, 2015, 2016, I would have never thought this is how it would be today outside of the pandemic. Yeah. Listen, I, well, probably my wife has a bigger reaction because my wife has a passion for shopping and she's, she's very nervous that all the shops are going to close and and her pastime will be sitting in front of her Amazon app. So I I, I would say that is one thing that, uh, you know, and I don't know if I'm a, a net winner or a loser on this. I don't know if I'm saving money for her not going shopping or I'm losing money because it's so easy now um, yet to be determined. So I, I would say commerce, just how easy it is to to transfer money now in commerce and, you know, you yes. know Venmo and all these other kind of technologies. I, I think commerce will continue to clients are demanding to buy things with immediate gratification. Oh, right. Yeah. I can't even, Manny, I can't even tell you what my checkbook is. Right. I think the only time we take out a checkbook is we're writing a check to, uh, you know, a charitable organization or our wedding present. Sure. Um, but like that, that to me, you know, I think has been kind of the, you know, the biggest change, just immediate gratification clients are looking for. And by the way, me too. Um, I want to know it um, uh, and how that kind of plays out, you know, going forward. Yeah. You know, um, I'd go down a completely different rabbit hole. I don't want to, because I, I know that we're, we're thin on time and, and there's a topic I wanted to ask you about, and it's about the new England Patriots and Tom Brady. Sure. So I'm fascinated, right? Being a lifelong diehard Chicago bears fan. I've just been fascinated for 20 years about this story that had been just brewing up and building in new England. I'm curious you know, as intimately as you know that organization and some of the different folks, but just knowing the story of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady as well as you do, what is the lesson? What is like the takeaway from what we just saw happen this last year, other than Tom Brady is the GOAT? Other than Tom Brady is the GOAT, what is like the thing you're you're like, I can't believe this. This is the narrative. This is the storyline of what we just all saw happen. Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, my opinion is you saw 
three great leaders. You saw Mr. Kraft and the Kraft family running an unbelievable organization, right? Empowering and hiring the right people to run the team. You saw Bill Belichick as the greatest coach in NFL history, right? Understanding the tools. Uh, talk about someone who holds people focused, commitment, accountable, and having a plan. plan. You're here. Phenomenal. And a yeah. great teacher. And then you've seen probably one of the greatest field generals, field leaders, you know, in football. So I look at all three have worked together, understood their strengths, and had a long history and a long run of success. For, for you know, I look at Tom Brady as, um, listen, all of us in New England, when we, when we get close to retirement, we move to Florida. He just did what the rest of us do. At some point, you move to Florida, and if you work another one or two years, great. And he, and he was just as successful. But, uh, and we wish him well, and we're, we're thrilled what he did. But it shouldn't diminish the fact that it's the ownership doing a phenomenal job. It's Bill Belichick doing a phenomenal job. And it's Tom Brady doing a phenomenal job. They, they all knew their position. So one of the phrases I know we have in New England is do your job. Oh, I'm so obsessed all three, about that. All three did their job and they were the best at it. And I don't know if we'll ever see it replicated again. I think, you know, selfishly speaking, Bob Kraft is the ownership. Bill Belichick running the team, they will figure it out and they will be back. Um, and I'm sure Tom Brady will continue to do phenomenal things as long as he continues to continues to play. But um, I'm ex I was excited for everybody, you know, and I think the Pats will be back and all this one couldn't be great without the other. I don't agree with that. I just think you saw three of the greatest that all coalesce together and they become the role models for for franchises going forward. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah. So one, love everything you said because it's just so accurate. And I think people are missing that storyline of what it took, the three of them did together. Right? It's so often that they only talk about Belichick and Brady, right? And they leave the entire craft storyline out of it. But another thing that you, that you just said was, um, it's that they're going to be back, right? That the Pats will be back. You know, it's it's just it's such a shame that humanity like expected Kraft and Belichick to just step right back up with anyone, Cam Newton, whoever, and win another Super Bowl. Like right. it just, it, it goes back to what you said earlier about like immediate gratification and everybody wants the easy button and get it on my doorstep. Not tomorrow. What do you mean? 24 hour delivery. I want it tonight. Right. You know? And I think that's just so unfortunate. Just so it sometimes look, that's why I don't listen to a lot of talk radio. Cause I I'm just like, that's just, that's just such media and you're just sensationalizing and you're actually annoying me. Yeah. I mean, I look at it. If I build a great organization, I'll never rebuild. I might have to reload, but I'll never yeah. have to rebuild. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so, so let's, so I knew that hockey was one of your great passions in life. Yep. And, and obviously never shocked at any partnership that, that we would do with the NHL because of that. But tell me, where is the puck going for Mass Mutual Financial Advisors? Yeah, I'm really optimistic about the future of our, our company and, and the entire industry. When I look at, you know, Mass Mutual Financial Advisors, you know, we've been around for 170 years. Our firm was actually started by a financial advisor, you know, who probably rode on a horse to go see his clients. Um, 
And today we still have advisors who ride horses to go see their clients, right? Um, if you, we've done such a good job for so long that we're well-trained. We, we ride on the shoulders of others who've built this company. We're focused on the next generation to make sure the next generation of, of leaders are coming up and, and their training and development. And I just look at what clients need our help. And as long as we continue to provide help to our clients, life will be really good for, for all of us. Um, and that's what I'm focused on. I'm just focused on making sure that we are in a position, we have the tools, the resources to provide as much value to our clients as humanly possible. And for us, you know, we have, we have you know, thousands of clients who've been with us for more than 50 years. There's not a lot of businesses that can say they have clients who've been with them for more than 50 years, right? So the people that are becoming clients today, Manny, 50 years from now, they'll probably still be clients, Yes. right? So we, we have to build, our relationships are not weeks or quarters yes. or a year. Yes. No, our relationships are decades, yeah. are decades. And, and I think, you know, having that view of the world that the decisions I make today are, are going to affect people for the next 50 years. I, I think, you know, not a lot of companies can say that. So when I look at us saying, no, no, we have that philosophy. We have a great track record. We have the best people. We have clients who need us. We're, we're in really good shape going forward. So that, so I get really excited when I hear that. And obviously I, I just think of like uh, how simple I look at our, our, our smaller business in the state of Michigan, but I think about, you know, having a great vision, a great strategy, great systems and great people running those, right? I always think that it comes down to the war for talent, you know, just the war for the greatest talent that we can get uh, at Mass Mutual. Describe as simply or as complex as you'd like. If you were going to describe the recruiting class of 2021, who is that person? Uh, well, I would say it's a person that is, regardless of race, colors, gender, that's a, I want everybody, right? We are an inclusive culture that is just looking for people who want to help people. Right? I want people who join us who are passionate about helping people. I want people who are joining us that understand that we deal with serious matters and the decisions we help are, you know, through good times and bad, we have to be there for our clients. Right. Um, I want people who, who want to be entrepreneurs. They want to run a business, but they, they, they want to be affiliated with the company that helps them run their business. That's what I look for, right? It's not a lot. It's very simple. Um, and I want people who want to be better than they were yesterday, right? Love I that. want someone to know that, hey, I want to be better than I was yesterday. And if we have incremental improvements every day, just a little bit, right, things will work out really, really well. You know, I, you know, Manny, you've heard me say that just one more. Can yeah. I have one more today? <laughs> um, you know, I also look at it saying every day is an election, and I'm elected to a one-day term, right? I won today. Well, guess what? Don't get cocky because I got a, I got my constituents voting for me again tomorrow. If I didn't have a good day today, don't get discouraged. I'm going to win tomorrow. So it's that kind of philosophy. It's just wanting to help people. Um, I want, I want, I want more people to join us to better reflect the demographics of the United States. Um, we are a melting pot, and we should, we got to continue to embrace that. Um, 
and I want people to care. You know, those things happen. Life is pretty good. Yeah. That, um, anyways, I mean, you see me nodding. I mean, that always means a lot to me. And I think it, uh, it, it speaks to who we are uh, aspiring to become as, as a world-class organization and the world-class organization that Mass Mutual already is. And you know, I always tell people, I'm like, look, uh, you know, you've got to have great pride in wearing the uniform that we have. You just have to have great pride. And a lot of times I've found, uh, just to add to some of your comments, but I found that it, it's the little things, right? Starbucks Experience Chapter 2 talks about everything matters. And, and the littlest things in life, like looking someone in the eye, shaking their hand, remembering their name, using it often, paying compliments, being kind, being polite, asking for permission, those little things don't take anything meaningful to exhibit on a daily basis. And yet they have such incremental and profound impacts in each other's quality of life when we approach life that way. And so I don't yeah, know. I would agree. I think, I think one of the you know, one of the concerns I probably have coming out of COVID is the next generation. We've got too many kids who just aren't socializing, right? Yeah. They're stuck in their homes. They're, you know, we got to get them back. We got to get them back out and, you know, we got to do it when it's safe, but it's, it's, why does everyone communicate sitting at the kitchen table? Why is everybody texting each other? Like what, you know, I laugh. You want to, if, if I was sitting at the kitchen table when I was a kid texting, my brothers who are sitting two feet to the left of me, my dad would have, you know, would have given me a lifelong lesson. I can assure you of that. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's sitting down. It's talking as a family, talking as friends, just the social interaction, the, the discussions about life. And, you know, in, in, in Massachusetts, it's the Red Sox and everything else. Um, but having those discussions again, I, I think that's, I'm really concerned. We got to get that back, you know, and, and I'm really concerned about the kids, the kids who, who are losing, you know, losing their senior years, their freshman, year, whatever it is, they'll never get that back. All right, John. So wrapping up any closing comments. Yeah. You know, first off, Manny, thanks for the opportunity to come and see you once again, have a great, happy birthday. I think I would just, you know, leave, leave everyone with this, that life is going to get better. Um, but we all have to participate in making life better, right? It, we've got to take the call that, you know, obviously Massachusetts, you know, just the Red Sox and the Kennedys are two of our biggest passions. But re remember when JFK called to the next generation, right? Not what the country can do for you, but what we can do for our country we need that. Those words are never more true than today. And even with President Biden, when he said we need to end this uncivil war, I agree. But that happens with all of us. So I think for in order for us to get through this storm, in order for us to make our worlds better, it starts with each and every one of us. So I, I would just say thank you for, you know, for everything you do for us. We're all in this together. Um, but together we will make, you know, we will make our country what it always has been, which is the greatest country on earth. I couldn't agree more. What a great way to wrap up uh, what I thought was a extremely interesting and, and entertaining conversation, getting to know John Vaccaro, the head of Mass Mutual Financial Advisors, CEO, chairman and CEO of MML Investor Services, LLC at Mass Mutual. 
John, again, I'm uh, with an abundance of gratitude towards you and your family and uh, the organization that you serve and lead. Uh, I appreciate your leadership. I appreciate your mentorship. And uh, Samantha and I and our children appreciate your friendship. Thank you so much for being with us today. Be safe, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Our goal is to bring value to as many people as possible with these conversations. And we need your help to grow the podcast. Please leave a rating and review on Apple with your thoughts on the conversations so far. Thanks in advance. And until next time, keep attacking your life with grit and gratitude. You'll be surprised where it'll take you.